From Upstate Medical University, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. A century ago, people diagnosed with lung cancer had few options. Surgery meant cutting open the patient's chest and removing an entire lung. And while sometimes that type of procedure is still necessary today, surgeons are much more likely to operate through tiny incisions to remove just a lobe or a piece of a lobe or something in addition to or instead of surgery. Here to discuss this is Dr. Jason Wallen. He's the medical director for the Thoracic Oncology Program at Upstate and the division chief for thoracic surgery. Welcome. Thank you, Amber. So lung cancer remains the most common cause of cancer death in both men and women. Um, Do you see people with the new diagnosis of lung cancer every week? Is it that prevalent? Usually several patients each week. It's still really, really common, unfortunately. Particularly in upstate New York, there's still a lot of smokers here, so we still see uh, probably a disproportionate amount. And a lot of it is tied to smoking. That's correct. There are other risk factors, but smoking remains the dominant risk factor. So which kind of lung cancer, because there's different types of lung cancer, which one is the most prevalent? Non-small cell lung uh, carcinoma is the most prevalent, and there are several subtypes within that. Okay. And for patients with lung cancer, non-small cell or other kinds, from what I understand, the best type of care is called multidisciplinary care, which Upstate and many academic medical centers offer. But what, what is that? So these days, we most of us feel that complicated decisions on cancer care should not be meant made by a single doctor. Uh, So we have what we call a multidisciplinary team, as you said, where we have medical oncologists who are the doctors who give chemotherapy. We have radiation oncologists, the doctors who give the radiation. We have the surgeons. We have the pathologists, the radiologists who read the x-rays, the pulmonologists who study lung function and help make diagnoses, uh, as well as smoking cessation experts, nutritionists, uh, social workers, uh, a really wide variety of people who are involved in lung cancer care from almost every aspect, uh, looking at a patient from a kind of 360 complete perspective so that we really make sure that every patient has every option open to them. And it's kind of like getting eight or 10 second opinions all at once in a single visit. All at once by a team that's that's just focused on this one patient with this one issue or whatever. That's right. So that's got to be reassuring to a patient to know that, but um, also like as a physician to know that you've got colleagues that are weighing in and, you know, seconding your thoughts or what you what you want to do. Well, it certainly makes it much more fulfilling, and uh, it ensures that we're always learning. Uh, As you can imagine, uh, at the pace of medical research, that it can be difficult for one doctor to keep up on absolutely every single detail. But when you have such a large group of people who are all trying to keep up in their own fields, uh, you learn something new every day, and so we all grow, and I think that allows us to provide even better care uh, to patients as time goes on. So what sorts of things do you consider when you're coming up with a treatment recommendation for a particular patient with non-small cell lung cancer? well, the, the, there are two factors that I think are the most important. I always tell patients there are, there are factors associated with their cancer, and then there are factors associated with them as an individual. Uh, so we can talk about things that are best for a given cancer in terms of treatment options, uh, but that has to dovetail what's best for the patient, and, and uh, the patient actually is uh, has a big role in deciding what's best for them. I think you know we're pretty good at giving people uh, options, but uh, in determining 
saying what's best. It's a much more complicated decision because it has to do with a patient's values. Uh, it has to do with their family. Uh, it has to do with their fears, their anxieties, uh, and things that are important to them. And uh, it has to do with a patient's physiology. Obviously, when you're taking out pieces of, uh, of people's lungs or treating their lungs, you know, you have to take into account their breathing. If you're considering surgery, how much surgery can they tolerate? Uh, do they have risks for anesthetics? So there's really a lot of things that have to be taken into account before deciding kind of what is the best, quote unquote, treatment for a given patient. And so the patient and their family probably weigh in considerably on what what matters to them. And I mean, this is a major, what I would consider a major surgery, right? So um, it has an impact on the rest of the family and the rest of their life that they... So. Yeah, it's it's these are things they don't teach you in medical school. I mean, we, you know, as uh, as my career has progressed, we've been treating older and older patients, for example, and you know, sometimes elderly patients are taking care of elderly spouses and uh, have other commitments, and sometimes they have to make complicated treatment decisions that are going to affect the rest of their families, and they have to make those decisions. And so sometimes even the health of other people in the family have an impact on how a patient is going to be treated or determine what is the best treatment for them. Well, let me remind our listeners, this is Upstate's HealthLink on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, talking with the Division Chief for Thoracic Surgery at Upstate, Dr. Jason Wallen. Um, I'd like to talk with you about a paper you wrote recently with Dr. Jeffrey Bogart, who's a radiation oncologist, about lung cancer treatment options for patients with non-small cell variety. Um, And I guess to start with, do, do tumors in the lungs necessarily need to be treated? I mean, what happens if you do nothing? Well, it depends on the uh, on the tumor. There are certain varieties of non-small cell lung carcinoma which uh, can be treated what we call watchful waiting. And uh, that's a very new concept, and it's certainly not a majority of tumors. But we are starting to realize that there are some very indolent varieties that can be observed. And in fact, you know, we may determine based on radiographic characteristics or how something looks on an x-ray that something is likely to be one of these so-called minimally invasive cancers. Uh, And uh, we may decide not to even biopsy them and just to observe them because we know there are certain characteristics on on imaging, on CT scans, which will indicate that a tumor is becoming more aggressive and may need to be treated. Uh, But sometimes the risk of the treatment is actually higher than the risk of the disease itself. But still, the vast majority of non-small cell lung carcinomas should be treated, and most patients should be offered some form of treatment. Okay. And it used to be, when when this kind of got started, that um, treatment meant opening up the patient's chest and removing the entire lung. But it's not at all that today most of the times, right? No, it's not. I think, uh, as we've seen in many types of cancers, we're moving towards trying to remove less and less of people's bodies uh, in order to treat them. Uh, Unfortunately, in 2017, the vast majority of early-stage cancers in all parts of the body are treated surgically, uh, at least to get the best long-term survival opportunities. And even as a surgeon, I still think that surgery is a pretty barbaric treatment, and I think we're all looking to put ourselves out of business at some point. But to Uh, today is still the state of the art. And so the real question is, how can we remove less and get the same good results? 
And so whereas they used to remove the entire lung, the standard today in 2017 is to remove the entire lobe. And we just completed uh, enrolling patients in a, in a very large uh, national study trying to determine if we can remove less than a lobe and still get the same good results. But the, those uh, results will take some time to, to learn. So just part of a, and, and um, I guess I didn't realize the lungs are not symmetrical. One has two lobes and one has three. That's correct. And then each of the lobes are divided into segments. And okay. so there are a total of 18 segments to the lungs. And uh, we can perform minimally invasive operations to remove only segments. And we do that frequently still for very small tumors that are near the edge of the lung, and particularly for patients who have limited lung function. So do cancers not travel from one segment to the other? They certainly can, and sometimes a cancer may straddle more than one segment, in which case removing a segment may not be appropriate. Um, so where the tumor is has a tremendous impact on which surgical options a patient may have. Also, the size of the tumor is really important. So um, give me kind of a, a guideline on small. What, what is small? Like how small is small? Depends on the size of the segment that the lung is in. Okay. It's really uh, uh, a matter of looking at the size of the tumor versus the margin uh, or the normal uh, tissue around the tumor that you think you can achieve when removing it. So a small tumor that we write on the edge of where you cut the lung uh, probably wouldn't be uh, a good surgical option. So generally speaking, we want if you have a one centimeter tumor, for example, you want to get at least a one centimeter margin margin of normal tissue around, around it. Outside, and okay. So obviously the bigger a tumor gets, the more difficult it becomes to get those margins. Now that's when you're talking about removing part of a lobe. Bigger tumors, uh, you take the lobe and that's it. Uh, margin becomes less of a concern as long as it's negative. So how big are um, uh, tumors when you typically discover them? Like how big do they have to be to be discovered? Uh, it's... Uh, I guess it varies. It does vary a lot. Um, they can be very, very small. It depends on the quality of the CT scan that is obtained initially. So the, uh, the higher the resolution of the scan, the smaller the tumor that can be detected. What becomes difficult is actually knowing that it's a tumor. And so for very, very small lesions, typically you have to follow them over a period of time before you can actually determine that they're a cancer or before they become big enough to be actually uh, biopsyable. And sometimes... Uh, that actually takes quite a long time. When we see very small tumors, uh, we may ask patients to come back for a CT scan, sometimes in three months, sometimes in six months, sometimes even a year later for very, very small tumors because it will take that long before something gets big enough that we can really assess it. And there are actually national guidelines that uh, guide us uh, as to what the interval uh, should be between CT scans for patients with small pulmonary nodules. All right, so let's go through the most typical options. I mean, you've mentioned the lobectomy where you remove the lobe and a segment where you remove just a segment. Um, how do they differ in terms of, like, risk to the patient? I mean, would the patient know any different to, to those? or It's a great question, and uh, it seems logical that if we remove less lung, that patients should notice it less. Um, but it actually hasn't been proven that patients will notice a big difference in their breathing, or that we can demonstrate a reliable difference in, in the results on breathing tests after surgery. What we do know is that patients who have limited pulmonary function, we can decrease the risk of an operation or decrease the risk of complications 
complications after surgery like pneumonia if we remove less lung. And so that's really the place where we focus those more mm -hmm. specific operations. But for example, if we took a patient who had an entire lobe removed versus who had a segment removed, and we tried to demonstrate that the pulmonary function of the patient who had less lung removed was better, we, uh, we don't actually have that data to show that there is an X percentage difference if you have a smaller operation versus a bigger operation. So for the most part, patients who are candidates to have a lobectomy, we recommend that they have that because we do have evidence that the chance that the cancer will grow back where we cut it is less. Uh, when we take out the entire lobe. Now that's been called into question and that's why we've redone clinical trials to look at that because we think for small tumors, again, that are near the edge of the lung that you probably don't need to do a lobectomy. And so that's really what we need to learn at this point in 2018 uh, as to where is that line? Where is the cutoff where it's okay to take out less than a lobe? Now are there um, other things that are recommended along with surgery that help maybe reduce the risk of cancer returning? At this point, uh, people have tried many times to show that adding radiation can help patients who've had uh, more limited lung resections completed, but that really hasn't panned out. So at this point in time, it's usually either surgery or radiation when we're talking about local treatment for lung cancer. And so the patients have to weigh that? and Well, in the team, the multidisciplinary team maybe would come up with a recommendation, right? We often do, um, but we typically will give patients both options. Uh, for patients who are healthy enough to undergo surgery, we almost always recommend surgery. And even the radiation oncologists will recommend patients to have surgery. Because even though we lack solid clinical trial evidence to demonstrate the superiority of surgery, uh, the experience, our clinical experience, really points us in that direction. Uh, we are currently offering certain high-risk patients a clinical trial to try to compare limited operations with radiation therapy to see if there is a benefit for patients with limited pulmonary function or other risk factors, but it's still a big question. Okay. And so, but patients still have an option. Both treatments are very, very good and very, very effective. And so we do offer patients, and it's really a question of potentially getting a better outcome in the long term when it comes to cancer survival with surgery versus having a big improvement in post-surgical complications with radiation. For example, radiation treatment really is a much easier treatment for patients to go through with only a few treatments that are very quick, painless for the most part, and nearly complication-free, whereas surgery will never be able to offer that. Mm -hmm. But we do have the possibility that for certain patients, you get a better result on the back end in terms of long-term survival. Very good. Well, so even though lung cancer remains one of the most common causes of cancer death, there appear to be many options for extending life these days. So There are, and it's getting better and better. With patients enrolled in lung cancer screening, we're discovering more patients at an early stage. And if we discover lung cancers at earlier stages, we save a lot more people. Right. Well, thank you for sharing this information. My guest has been Dr. Jason Wallen, the Medical Director for the Thoracic Oncology Program at Upstate and the Division Chief for Thoracic Surgery. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.